Hello and welcome to the Worthy Pieces podcast. I'm Rhonda and today I'm joined by an old friend of mine, Alexa, who's here to share her story with experiences that she's had with both both of her babies with postpartum depression. So Lex, welcome. Thank you so much for doing this. Thank Thank you for taking the time. And I know this is like an incredibly vulnerable experience for most women. And I really appreciate you coming on here. Not a problem. I'm so glad that you were able to have me. I'm excited. Me too. I'm actually really excited um, because when I first like started brainstorming this podcast and podcast episodes, Um, I reached out to friends, I put it on social media, and I had like an overwhelming amount of women that reached out to me that requested an episode on postpartum. And I was shocked about it because in my private practice, like nobody comes to therapy to talk about postpartum. I think over the course of like my 10 years of doing therapy, two women that I can think of have actually come to therapy to talk about postpartum. Um, So I'm really excited to talk about this. And I feel like a lot of women are going to relate to you in your story. Definitely. That's awesome. Yeah. Okay. So I just want to know, like, tell us more about yourself. I know that you are married and you have the most adorable kids ever, two (laughs) little boys. Um, Just tell me, tell us a little bit more about you. So yeah, I'm recently married. Um, We've been together for about seven years, but finally got married in February. And then we have our two boys, um, Felix, who's 11 and Maddox, who's two and a half. Um, and we are just homebodies, especially the last two years. We just love to be outside. We bought a house last May too. So lots of fun stuff at our new home. Um, and just very outdoorsy. We're always trying to hike and mountain bike and do all sorts of fun stuff, but whatever we can do with the kids. And we also just got a puppy last weekend. So our hands are definitely full right now. I love that. And the puppy, I think I saw online is a boy too. So you were just a lone woman in your household of boys. (laughs) Yep. Yep. I'm the only woman. I love it though. It's fun. I love being a boy mom. They're, they're so much fun. Yeah. I love that. I love (laughs) all of them. They're so cute. And you're, you're just the most fun mom. I know that. (laughs) I try. Yeah. Well, you do really good. The boys look happy. So I'm excited. Yeah. They're great. Okay, so let's dive in because I know when I kind of talked to you beforehand, like both of your pregnancies were very, very different with each boy. Right. Yeah. With my first, I mean, I was really young, obviously. I had him when I was a month away from turning 20. Um, And so, I mean, after I had him, I really, I had sort of what they call the baby blues. And I had just sort of that time of maybe a month after I had him to where it wasn't even really depression. It was just sort of, I was down a lot and I cried a lot. And that's sort of, you know, something that you expect when your hormones are so out of whack and crazy. Um, and then I had Maddox two and a half years ago. So I was much older. Um, I've always sort of dealt with depression and anxiety my whole life, but for some reason, after I had him, it just threw me into the most incredible depression. Um, probably one of if not the worst depressive episode I had ever had. Um, Mm -hmm. And it was just completely different. I had a really hard time with suicidal ideation and, you know, things that you don't want to be thinking about when you just had a baby or you feel really guilty about after you just had a baby. I mean, this should be the happiest time of my life. I had three months off of work. So, 
you know, I'm just, I'm just home with the baby. And so it was just really hard to kind of comprehend why this was happening. Um, so yeah, two super different experiences with both of them. So the, the second time around, it was a lot harder for some reason. Yeah. And you, do you feel like with the first one, like, did you notice any of the, like the baby blues? So for people that, that are listening, I know that like baby mm-hmm. blues is more linked to, like you said, just kind of feeling slightly off, like slightly right. down. I know a lot of medical professionals relate it to like hormonal adjustments. Mm-hmm. Did you have, like, was there different supports at the time with the pregnancies and especially like post-pregnancy that made a difference? Or do you think it was totally like just unrelated? I think even with my first pregnancy, because I was so young, I do feel like I sort of had friends around that I don't have around anymore, but that's a lot to do with, you know, us getting older and just not clashing together anymore. So maybe, you know, that could have had something to do with it. Just the sort of the friend group that I had back at the time. And I don't, you know, have a ton of friends any longer just the older I've gotten and we've all kind of grown apart and done our own things and so that could definitely have something to do with it um I know that COVID also was not COVID started about three months after I had Maddox too when everything started to shut down and so that kind of threw us for a loop and I just remember one day my husband went to the grocery store and called me and he's like there's no bread on the shelves there's no milk I can't find anything. And, you know, that threw us in a panic too. So I'm sure that sort of obviously that pandemic just sort of threw us for a loop and um, definitely did not help my mental state either. So yeah, Yeah. two totally different times in my life and people in my life. And then unfortunately with COVID, that was just crazy for everybody, but definitely did not help either. Yeah. Which the boys are 10 years apart, right? Or just about 10 mm-hmm. years apart. Yeah. So, I mean, 10 years for us, like, especially being right. a woman with hormones and everything is a huge difference as well. So obviously that Absolutely. probably plays a part. Yeah. What, and you gave, so tell me about your birthing experience. Were they both home births at the hospital? They were both at the hospital. Um, I have been really lucky with both of my birthing experiences and I'm one of those crazy women where I'm like giving birth is the coolest thing I've ever done in my life. I would do it a million times over, just not have a million kids. <laughs> I just think it's the coolest thing. And I just got yeah. really lucky with having great epidurals with both. So I, you know, there's some hardcore women out there. I just don't know that I could do it without an epidural, but I just yeah had, I had really great experiences. I had great doctors, great nurses. I didn't have any complications and neither did the babies. Um, so those were very similar in that sense. They were both great deliveries, great after the fact, nothing crazy happened. And yeah, both of my birthing experiences were awesome. I loved it. And did they like doctors, nurses, all of that, did they kind of come up with that birth plan for you and talk to you about kind of the after effects of being pregnant and giving birth? Yeah, I remember more so this most recent time around my doctor bringing up postpartum and even my very first appointment that gave me like this huge pamphlet of, you know, this is what postpartum is. This is what it can look like. You know, if you feel like you're getting postpartum, you need to come to us immediately because it can get serious. And, you know, you may not realize that it's getting that bad, but I mean, I felt like they were way more on top of it with my second pregnancy. I really don't remember being talked to 
about post postpartum depression with my um, first son, but I do definitely remember them coming to me a bit more with my second pregnancy and definitely making it a point to, you know, here are the warning signs to watch out for. And if, you know, you're starting to feel those, then you need to come to us and we'll sort of get a plan from there. Yeah. And were you worried about anything by the time they had had these conversations with you? Like, did you already get a sense of the depression creeping in? No, not at all. And especially because with my first son, I, you know, didn't have those complications really. And my whole pregnancy was great. Um, I was sick the whole first trimester, but other than that, I mean, the rest of my pregnancy was totally fine. And I didn't deal with depression while I was pregnant or even, um, my anxiety wasn't that bad while I was pregnant either, which is kind of out of character for me, but it was nice. Um, so no, I didn't have any inkling that it was going to be as bad as it got. Yeah. And it doesn't sound like you like really expected it. It was probably like out of sight, out of mind for you just going through and just getting through the pregnancy. Yeah, totally. Yeah. It was not even something, I mean, it was in the back of my mind and I had even talked to my husband about it. Like, Hey, you kind of need to keep an eye on this with me because, you know, I have a history of depression and things. And so he sort of knows when I'm starting to feel down and, you know, if I start to act like I'm getting depressed or, you know, out of character, talk to me about it so that we're not letting it get out of hand. Yeah. And you had that support. He was a support for you in that regard. Totally. Yeah. A hundred percent. So, I mean, you did, it sounds like you did everything to prepare yourself as much as you can. So you gave birth to Maddox. At what point did you notice things were off and it was kind of going on a scary route for you? I would say probably, gosh, within the first couple of months of him being born, I would even say within that first month of him being born, I remember um, a friend of mine did come over to just sort of hang out with me. um, And I just broke down to her and I was like, I feel so lost. I just, I don't know. It just, yeah, I definitely felt like things were starting to, to go south about a month after he was born and could sort of feel that depression creeping in and my anxiety was starting to kick kick up again. Um, and so, yeah, I would say about a month after he was born, that started to happen. And it sounds like you were really aware of what was happening. Like you were pretty self-conscious of it and being aware and, and at least identifying certain things were off. Right. Yeah. I was dealing with it since probably middle school when you and I met and we're hanging out. It's just always sort of been something that I've dealt with. So I can tell if I'm getting into sort of a depressive episode or, um, you know, if my anxiety starting to get a little bit out of hand, I, I'm definitely like really hyper aware of it because I know how bad it can get. Um, yeah. And I try really hard to prevent that, of course. Yeah. So what was it that made this time different? Obviously, both postpartum, but like what made it different for you that you knew it was more some, like something more serious that you needed to go to the doctor or talk to someone about? Um, because I was extremely suicidal, um, mm-hmm. even though it was the absolute last thing I would ever want to do. Yeah. But it was all I could think about. And it started to really scare me because... I felt like I didn't have control over my own thoughts in that sense, as crazy as that sounds, but it just felt like it was all I could think about and, you know, different ways I could do it. And, um, I, I just remember one day I was cutting something up in the kitchen and like, as crazy and awful as this sounds, I just, my head was just telling me like, hold that knife up to your throat. 
And that's like all I could start, you know, all I could think about. And I was like, oh my God, to where I just had to like set the knife down. And, and I'm like, I need to get out of the kitchen. This is so weird. So it was just, you know, thoughts like that, that I just couldn't really get out of my head. And anytime I had a silent moment, it was just all that my brain would let me think about was, mm-hmm. you know, cutting myself or, you know, just the different ways that I could end my life. So I just knew that it was really bad and something really different at that point. Yeah. Which has got to be really scary too, right? Because I feel like it's almost two different versions of you, like you conscious part of you that knew like you were okay and what was going on. But then this other part of you, like you said, where you didn't have control over those thoughts. Yeah. Oh, a hundred percent. And that's when I finally went to my husband and I'm like, you know, suicide is the last thing I would ever want to do. I would never want to leave my kids in that um, position or my family in that position. And I don't want to die deep down. You know, it's, I'm young. Yeah. I'm only 31. It's the last thing I want to happen. And, but I was like, but it's all I can think about is all that my mind allows me to think about when I'm, you know, nursing my son in the dark room and there's nothing else to distract me. It's all I could think about. So. Yeah. And like having Maddox around, did you feel close and connected with him at this point? So that was almost like a resource for you to like, pull you out of that or that was worse for you to have your baby in your arms with those thoughts he was actually he was definitely a resource for me I was thankfully still bonding with him I was still because I know that some women can have a hard time bonding with their babies when they're born and especially if they're going through postpartum but I was definitely lucky enough to I was definitely bonded with him and enjoyed every single second I had with him and it felt like Christmas every morning when we woke up because I was just so excited to get him and um but yeah thankfully I was definitely very bonded since day one with him so he was a great resource for me yeah he gave you that hope because I know yeah. that's where like a lot of women really struggle too is like you said bonding or wanting to be around their baby like I know so many right. girls that just want nothing to do with their baby you know months or days after they're pregnant right or after their birth right definitely yeah that I mean that like <laughs> breaks my heart for you because I know you and I've known you for so long. And even though like I've known that history and you like just imagining you in the kitchen with that knife, like gives me chills yeah. for you. I know it's awful. And I really, <clears throat> excuse me. I really don't think I've told anybody else that even my husband, because I didn't want to scare him. And yeah, you know, it was just, I mean, it scared me. It terrified me because I'm like, what the hell? Yeah. If my mind is able to tell me you know, put that knife up to your throat and just slit your throat right here in the kitchen. And it was, yeah, really terrifying. So I don't tend to tell many people that story because I feel like a lot of women might get judged for that too. It's like, why are you thinking like that when you just had a baby a couple of months ago? You shouldn't be thinking like that. So it's really hard to feel like you can open up. Yeah. um, And also not be afraid that if I tell my doctor that she's not going to admit me somewhere you know totally. I just I yeah. had no idea what would happen so I don't even yeah. think I told her that exact detail I just said I needed help basically yeah which I think that's a big part of it for a lot of women right is that like a we don't talk about it we don't like the right. a lot of women don't share those deep dark secrets because in the fear of getting judged I think that like, that's the biggest thing women struggle with, right? Is that you should be happy. And this is the most exciting time in their life. And when, you know, women that feel that way or similar, similar, or that hold their baby and want nothing to do with it, like, Mm -hmm. you don't want to admit that it makes you feel probably like a really awful mom, a human. And like, how do you be honest with your husband being like, 
I hate my baby and I don't want to be around it. Like that's an awful, awful feeling. Totally. Well, they may not understand that because I don't know from the outside looking in, especially your husband is like, why, you know, (laughs) I'm over heels for the baby. So yeah, I can, I can completely see why that would be hard. Yeah. And I think so many people, like it goes back to the stigma of mental health, right? Is that so many people are like, Lex, you just had a baby. Be excited. Like, why are you being negative? Like, just go hang out with your husband. You're be grateful. You can get pregnant. Like, I think we dismiss those emotions rather than looking like postpartum and mental health is a real thing that people really struggle with. And it's not just snapping your fingers and telling your husband and going on a date and feeling magically better. Totally. Yeah. Unfortunately, I wish it was that easy. (laughs) Yeah, me too. I mean, yeah. (laughs) So at that point you had some scary thoughts, told Connor, and then what happened? you guys went to the doctor. It sounds like you went back to the OBGYN. So I had actually called them because they always just said, you know, call us, call the nurse's line. Um, if you're feeling that way. And so I feel like they probably hate me by now. They've (laughs) probably revoked my rights on calling that nurse line or sending them messages because I just abuse it. But, um, I think I called them at least a couple of times. And that was sort of the frustrating thing too, was that they were so gung ho about, you know, if you're feeling this way, call us and we'll get you help straight away. And I had to call them a couple of times at least, um, to where finally the second time, and I had a really great nurse and I do love her so much. She's so attentive, so great. Um, but when she finally spoke with me, you know, I told her, you know, I'm suicidal. I'm like crying on the phone to her. And I'm just like, yeah. I need help. I don't know if I need to be on medication or if you can get me into some talk therapy. I'm not opposed to that. Um, but I need to know the best course of action. And her immediate response was, well, if you're really that bad, then maybe you should go to, um, and I could be very wrong, but I believe it's LDS hospital that has the mental mm-hmm. health sort of area that you can go, um, from whatever it was like 9am to 5pm, something crazy. And I'm like, I don't know if I, and then to me, I'm like, well, that sounds really bad. I don't want to have to drive myself to the hospital for help. Like, yeah, you know, what is your suggestion aside from that? Is it really taking it to the point to where I'm having to go almost admit myself or be there for a day and have them evaluate me? So that was really scary. Um, and I'm grateful for that resource, but I just, feel like it was really intimidating that that was sort of the only option that they gave me at first. Um, and then finally, I want to say after the third time I called back, because I'm like, if you guys don't help me, I don't know what I'm going to do. And I had actually reached out to, um, another, I don't know if we want to say names, but just another place where I could have talk therapy and they were really snippy and I had even had a referral to them. And I'm just like, you guys are covered under my insurance. Um, you know, I really just want to get into some talk therapy. I'm having these depression issues, blah, blah, blah. Um, and the woman that I spoke with, I almost wanted to be like, I need to get in touch with whoever her manager is or whatever. And I'm not that type of person, but she made me feel so horrible when I was already in that vulnerable situation and was just like, well, we can't get you in for at least nine months. And in my mind, I'm like, well, I'm going to be dead by then at this point. Yeah, totally. Absolutely. So that was just a horrible 
experience with her as well. And I know she was just a receptionist and I had called a couple of times to ask if they received my referral. So maybe I was being annoying, but I'm just like, you are working in a, you know, a place that has talk therapy for people that are potentially really struggling. You really should not be talking to people like that when, you know, they're reaching out for help. So that was also really yeah. discouraging as well. But so and if I heard you right, like it took you three times before they actually gave you additional resources. Right. And even then, you know, I said, you know, this place is close to me. Could, you know, they're asking for a referral from you. Can you send over the referral? I had to have them send it at least a couple of times as well. So that was really frustrating. I just felt like I wasn't being taken seriously and nobody was understanding that how desperate I truly was for help. And even, you know, and everybody knows asking for help is already so intimidating. It's not something that everybody wants to do. So the fact that I was having to reach out multiple times to multiple people to say, you know, is it really going to take me going down to the mental health hospital to, you know, get taken seriously? And are they going to take me seriously there? And how are they going to treat me? And what are they going to do? And I don't want to leave my baby or my other, my older son, you know, so yeah. It just wasn't something that I was willing to jump right on. Um, and so after that, they had actually just sort of through our phone conversations prescribed me Zoloft. Um, I had okay. tried a couple of different antidepressants in the past. I've always been kind of hypersensitive to them for some reason. Um, and I ended up actually in the ER three days after I was taking the Zoloft because I had such a horrible reaction to it for some yeah. reason um and it threw me into panic attacks to where you know once I got to the ER they were like I was like I'm gonna pass out I'm having this weird reaction to this and oh it was just frustrating because I sort of felt like you know my doctor should have I understand I was nursing and the Zoloft is one of the few they can put you on while you're nursing but I just sort of wish that she would have taken that time to sit down with me and talk to me about it before just kind of throwing me on an antidepressant because I never spoke with my OB. It was my nurse relaying the information to and from her. So, um, yeah, it was a, it was a big mess, a really big mess. So I went into the ER after taking it for three days. Um, and that was two Septembers ago. And I have still not recovered from the anxiety really? that that's thrown me into. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I, and my first thought, like, I'm so frustrated for you because like my first thought when you were telling your story is that like when you very first called, it makes me so mad because that's how a lot of people get treated is that you mentioned suicide, you mentioned an ideation and right. I get like, I'm first one to admit as a mental health professional, I get when the suicide word is brought up like yeah there are requirements that we have to go through so I understand that as a medical professional you have to check your boxes and do your procedures but the part that makes me so 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 mad is that there's like eight out of ten and don't quote me on this because I don't actually (laughs) know if it's that high but I feel like it's that high of where eight out of ten professionals like hear that word and they have no healthy assessment skills like they can't sit on the phone to be like oh my gosh Alexa tell me what's going on right suicidal awesome how, what's the plan? What's your intentions? Are you safe? Is your husband around? Like, where's the baby? Right. It's just, oh, well, my hands are tied. Go to the hospital. I need to do my procedure. I'm going to document right. this and follow up when you go to the hospital. 
Right. And it's totally like for so many people, you feel hopeless. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. yeah. It made me feel completely hopeless. And it made me not want to reach out anymore. It's like, well, if that's yeah. all you're going to give me, what am I doing reaching out to you guys? I might as well just go to the hospital and be evaluated and hope I'm not admitted because I told yeah. them I'm suicidal. So yeah, definitely. And then with that, like they just throw you medications, which we see all the freaking time oh, yeah. when you go to the like Western medical side. Yeah. Right. Totally. Yeah, and I've had, you know, just a really hard time with that. And even after the fact, I've very recently within the last couple of months, um, my anxiety was just so bad and I'm having panic attacks out of kind of the blue. I've had them my whole life almost, but I had had them under control up until I had that reaction to the Zoloft. And now for some reason, it sort of triggered panic attacks in me again. Um, but I was trying to go to talk therapy and um, within the first two appointments, he wanted to put me on a medication. And I'm just like, I understand that, but I kind of just want to talk it out with somebody. And for some reason, yeah. it's so hard for me to get into decent talk therapy. And, you know, maybe I should be on medication, but I just have had so many horrible experiences with antidepressants and, you know, I'm not depressed anymore. It, it is just mainly the anxiety, but then they're so weary of, putting you on an anti-anxiety, which I understand that they can be addictive. And but I'm like, gosh, for somebody like me, I am suffering, you know, daily. I just, I don't know, ever since then, it's just thrown me into a weird, anxious mess. <laughs> so still, yeah. you know, still just trying to, to figure that out every single day. And, but it's all just sort of started with that postpartum and just thrown me for a loop the last couple of years, for sure. Yeah. And it doesn't sound like for the most part that like a lot of it, you have just handled yourself, like whether that's through time or just pushing through and dealing and probably taking care of yourself and taking care of your body. But I mean, for the most part, it doesn't sound like the support you had from any type of professional was actually there for you the last two and a half years. Right. That's definitely how it's felt. And it's hard to not feel like a burden when you're reaching out that many times and you know regardless of how desperate I was and how I just felt like I was in this deep dark hole that I could not claw my way out of by myself I just had to surround myself with my you know few close family members and my husband has been the most amazing support and I know that it's hard Um, as well to feel like I'm not a burden to him and you know putting all of this onto him it's not fair to him either and he's one of those lucky bastards that's never dealt with depression or really yeah. anxiety. And I'm like, what the hell are you? Because that's all I've known. So yeah, but yeah. And that's funny you say that because like, I remember like we used to hang out all the time and we used to talk about your anxiety all the time and right. talking about other people. And I remember you would say things like all the time, like what is life without anxiety? Because these people that are walking around, not anxious and never depressed and never been through that. It's like, yeah, who, like, where did you come from? And I right. want what you're taking. <laughs> right. Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. That's crazy. So part of it, like after like post everything, did you ever, I mean, like, internal battle with suicidal ideations is one thing, but did you ever find yourself questioning like you or your capabilities of being a mom, like going through all this? Did that cross your mind while you were dealing with the anxiety and the postpartum? Uh, definitely when I was 
really deep in that depression because it was hard to even take care of myself, let alone my two kids that needed me. Um, and just that daily internal battle of my God, I can't even get up and shower myself, let alone make sure that my kids are having a bath at night before bed and making sure that they're having healthy meals. And when all I want to do is be in my sweats all day and cook them mac and cheese, which is fine. We had that for dinner last night. That's not bad, but you know what I mean? <laughs> Something easy. <laughs> yeah. And like not, minimal you know, effort, just, right? Minimal effort, putting in the bare minimum. And even that was just like a struggle for sure. Yeah. And what was your relationship with Fee at that point? Like, did you notice also that you were like becoming distant or detached from your relationship with your oldest son? No, if anything, it just made me closer to him because I knew that just keeping them as, you know, close to me as possible, they were the reason I was going every single day and reminding myself how horrible that would be if I did follow through with suicide, just oh my God, I would just, it makes me want to cry just even thinking about putting my kids in that situation and having to grow up without their mom and knowing that their mom, you know, took her own life. It wasn't cancer. It wasn't something they saw coming. It, it would just be the most horrific thing. So I, um, I definitely made sure to hold my kids close to me in that time in my life and just remind, I had to just remind myself daily that they are the reason that I'm still here and they're the reason I'm still going to be here because I love my kids more than I could ever explain and I would just I would just never want to put them in that situation as much as my mind was telling me to it was just not something I was going to let win yeah but I think that that shows like how strong you actually are you've always been a pretty badass person I know that personally but I mean (laughs) like you I also know like you have that resiliency part of you and like this story explains that to show that like there was a side of you that knew like this isn't me this isn't what I want this isn't how I want to feel I just don't know how the hell I'm supposed to like get out of this or get out of bed or let this go and I think that like it's easy to put in perspective like that because so many people can relate to it but it doesn't make it easier like so many people and I push this all the time on people like logically, I don't give a damn what you're telling yourself. Logically, yeah. I don't care what that like explanation is. Emotionally, you're going through something and that's half to, half the time harder than hell to get over and work through. Totally. Yeah, I agree completely. And it's so hard because I feel like I always use an example of like Jekyll and Hyde of like you're these two different types of versions of yourself or two Mm -hmm. types of people that like, you know what that one side of you wants to look like, but then the other like creepy monster guy inside of you is like taking over and you have no control. Oh yeah. A hundred percent. I deal with that daily still just with that anxiety and, you know, I don't want to have to call my husband at work and say, please come home, but it's happened since I've had Maddox and you know, I just, I'm having panic attacks and I can't even get the kids in the bath or I can't even get them to bed or, um, it's definitely happened a couple of times where, yeah, just two completely different versions of myself or it's other nights I'm completely fine and I'm doing laundry and dishes and the kids are both bathed and fed. And then there's other nights where I, I can barely feed them and I can barely make sure that they're in pajamas. So, yeah. Did you, through like your pregnancy planning or any of that, did you ever work with a midlife or a doula? 
No, I was all hospital. So all my OBGYN um, and then my same couple of registered nurses that were awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I haven't, I've never, you know, and we're actively trying for our third and final. So, and I've, you know, definitely considered doing things a little bit differently this time, but I don't know. I just, I don't know if I'm strong enough to do it without the epidural <laughs> and all this. <laughs> I don't know. And the anxiety of not being in a hospital is as great as it sounds to do a home birth or something else like that. Um, I just don't know if I'm that kind of girl. <laughs> yeah. Well, so I asked that because I know like doula and midwife, midwifery, is that the word or correct I think term? So. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> I know that like, you know, that's kind of like a, like, um, an old wives tale that has gotten a little bit more advanced. Like I know so many people that have worked with like midwives and doulas and, and some of it can be at the hospital. Like it doesn't totally have to be at home in the bath or anything. Um, but the reason why I ask is because I know like they, you know, have a reputation or half the time they're educating the women about like, this is postpartum and these all are all of your other options. Right, And I think that that's like an old wives tale that needs to be put to bed because so many women, I think have this image of like, if I get this midwife or if I have this doula, it's like this witchy type person that's going to sit next to me and give me incense and put like essential oils on my belly and just tell me to push when all it really is, is like, there's a diff, there's other options as far as birth and as far as handling like postpartum pregnancies and things like that. And right. I think a, a lot of, especially our generation, like a lot of moms don't know that they don't know that there's other options. They just know the hospital. There's so much pressure from family about hospital and doing it like right. the standard Western eyed way. And I just think it's cool. Like one of my other really good friends, she just got certified to be a doula. Yeah. He actually helped me with some of this like information. And I know like she literally handed me a giant pamphlet. It was all about postpartum, not pamphlet, but like her instruction materials about postpartum and all of the resources that they do. And honestly, I was shocked because it went through like they, their birth plan is unlike anything I've ever seen, like coming Mm. from someone who's done it at the hospital and Mm. having, you know, like, what's your plan with the baby? Who's your support? What resources do you have? Who is your family? Who, you know, what do you have at home to really help you? Um, And so it would be interesting. I'm not pushing, putting pressure on you, but it would be interesting (laughs) if you incorporated something like that into, you know, your third pregnancy and maybe really what the differences would be. Oh, absolutely. And I would be totally open to that. I'm definitely, you know, seeking out different things that I I hadn't done with my previous pregnancy and, um, you know, any changes that I could definitely make. And especially with it being my last one, I'm like, well, you know, there's things that I definitely think I want to try instead of, you know, like you said, it's totally just the Westernized, you know, get to the hospital. And I was induced with both of my pregnancies. So I've never gotten to labor Mm. naturally, which is something that I'd like to do with my last pregnancy and, um, just maybe not feel so rushed through everything. And they're coming in and asking if you want your epidural. And I'm like, well, I'm dilated to it too. Can you just let me kind of ride this out for a little bit? And my God, they came in like three other times before I was finally like, okay, (laughs) I guess give me the epidural. I don't, I don't know. They just weren't really respecting that boundary. And so I would definitely be open to something different um, to where I feel like my voice matters a little bit more and I'm, I'm being listened to a bit more. Yeah. 
And I feel like that's something a lot of women experience too, is it like, you can be like the biggest kind of direct person I know and walk into a, you know, the, your birth plan to say, this is what I want. Don't ask me again. And it's really comes down to that bedside manner that like, they don't listen. And there's so much pressure when you're in that moment to be like, yeah, give me the damn epidural, like quit asking me and I don't (laughs) want this, but yeah, sure. Give me it. And it sucks because then like, you don't know the complications that may become, you don't know how your birth experience maybe would be different. Like there's so much unknown that causes even more probably anxiety for you. Oh yeah, absolutely. Totally agree. How are you mentally going and like preparing for your third? Like, are you more nervous? Are you more anxious knowing what you went through with your last one? Yes. Um, definitely a little more nervous. Um, because I still feel like I really struggle with my anxiety and I know that there's not much that I can do for that. I do, um, take CBD oil every single day, just the kind you put under your tongue. That has really seemed to be the only thing that has been able to keep me sort of level-headed and it's not, you know, a, a prescription that I'm going to get addicted to. It's not something that I'm going to have to fight my doctor for a, a script for. Um, yeah. But I know that there's really no studies to where I, that's something that I could be taking once I do get pregnant. So that scares me because I know that that's going to have to stop. And then I'm really just sort of going to be on my own once I get you know pregnant again with dealing with my anxiety and not having something where in the back of my mind, like, okay, if your anxiety is bad, just go take some CBD, you'll be okay. And so that really does scare me about um, getting pregnant again and not really wanting to be on the other, you know, anxiety medications that they say are safe for pregnancy, but then, you know, they're not, they can't say for certain that it couldn't cause complications or, you know, things like that. So it's not really anything that I would want to be on. Um, but yeah, that, that definitely scares me. Not necessarily the depression right now. It's more so the anxiety for sure. And handling that and, you know, seeing how my, body kind of handles a third pregnancy and just going from there. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I think too, it's like really the CBD and like the ways that you found, well, really CBD is the only thing that you've maybe found to manage the anxiety. So knowing that right. if you make the choice to get off of it, you're taking away the only like safe crutch that you have figured out that really helps you and it right. leads you back to square one of what the hell do I do? Yeah. Oh, a hundred percent. Um, yeah, it's really scary. And I, so I'm just hoping that, you know, and I, I also have PCOS. So my hormones are already so up and down and sideways and crazy. And, um, when I asked my doctor about it, she says that when you do get pregnant, it sort of quote unquote cures your PCOS in the meantime. So Mm -hmm. I'm hoping that, you know, sort of having my hormones be a little bit more leveled out will sort of help me because otherwise I do feel like I'm just so up and down. And, um, that definitely contributes to my anxiety as well. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think like any medical complication or issue just contributes to it more. Right. Yeah. Pregnancy and being a mom is like the hardest job I think for (laughs) any woman. And I just think that like, it's because there's so much that could happen as much as it's like the most joyous, happiest time in your life. And when you've done it and you're choosing to do it again, like it's gotta be probably terrifying, but also like super exciting for you guys. Yeah. 
it's scary. It's scarier to have them planned than the first one that wasn't necessarily planned and just, I mean, yeah, we were thrown into it and we were young and didn't know what the hell we were doing, but it's definitely different trying to get pregnant and knowing that I'm about to put my body through that again and yeah, my mental health through that again and just hoping and praying that I'm able to get through it and I mean, every experience is different, obviously. And, you know, hopefully this next time around, I won't even have postpartum depression or, I don't know, I'll figure something out before then to where I'm able to sort of combat that somehow. But yeah, I'm just, I'm just hopeful that this next one, it's, it's not something that I'll have to deal with as much. Yeah. Do you feel more prepared going into your third pregnancy based off like what you experienced after Maddox? Like, do you feel more prepared or confident going in to have these conversations with your doctor? Yeah, definitely. In a sense, I know that, um, I'll feel a, a, a little bit more confident about speaking up for myself. And, you know, if they're sort of giving me the run around, I, I know that I'm going to have to sort of put my foot down in some of these situations and, um, you know, just say, no, I need help. I, and I've had to tell a couple of doctors, you know, I don't want to be on an antidepressant. There's Mm. a couple that they're always trying to put me on and I've had bad reactions to them. And, you know, they just, like you said, they're just so quick to throw medication your way and just say, here, take this and hopefully it'll help you. And which I understand, you know, maybe I really do need medication, but it's just not something that I am really keen on wanting to take. And so I would much rather figure out something naturally or, you know, even if it is just making sure that I'm exercising still and changing up my diet or whatever it may be, I would just much rather try and do something like that than have medication thrown at me again. So I definitely feel like I have a bit more confidence um, and I'm not afraid to tell them, you know, no, I'm not going to take that antidepressant where beforehand I'd be like, okay, I'll try it for a month. And then I would feel horrible. And then my withdrawals would be horrible from it too. So it was just never really worth it to me. Yeah. And you just end up feeling so hopeless. Right. Oh, a hundred percent. Because then I'm back to square one. Um, and getting off of some of those is hell. It's awful. I had brain zaps and couldn't sleep and, um, was just, oh my God, just a zombie for a few months at least. And then I just, yeah, went from having no emotion to having every emotion (laughs) that you could possibly imagine. And it was just horrible to where I just vowed to never, ever take that antidepressant again. It was awful. Yeah. And I think it's good that you have that confidence because again, going back to the pressure, like it's probably going to come up again. And I think you just have to remember like, The one thing I think it's not also normalized is we are in charge of our medical care. Like as much as we pressure and we have so much shame when we walk into these appointments, like we get to choose what we get to have in our body or what we choose to take. And I know half the time, like there's women I know that have gone through their pregnancies and they, you know, are forced into certain like vaccines or shots or things like that when the baby's first born that we don't Mm -hmm. feel like we have any control over. And I think that's one area that like, I hope that you're validating yourself with and, but also like reminding every other woman out there that's listening that like you're in charge of this, you should be in charge of your birth plan. And if you don't feel comfortable with your doctor, if they're not listening, then go find someone that will, because there are those medical professionals. There are bad therapists as well. Like go find that therapist that wants (laughs) to hear your story and work through it. But I get it that it's hard and you feel like you're just hitting your head against the wall because you just can't make any progress and you don't feel like anyone's listening. 
Right. Oh, absolutely. And that's the funny thing too, is as much as I really loved those RNs that I had, I'm for sure going to a different OB when I get pregnant again. And not yeah. only that, we're, we're nowhere near that hospital anymore. So we're way out um, South now, but still it's just as much as I would hundred percent go back for those RNs. It's just, I felt like I was always so brushed off by that OB. So I'm just like, you know what, I'll find a different one. If it takes me a couple of times, I'm just going to be that person this time around. I don't care. It's just not, yeah, not worth my health. It's not worth me going back down into that deep, dark hole. And, um, I'm just going to be way more confident about advocating for myself and my health for sure. Yeah. I love that. (laughs) Okay. What advice would you give either like future moms or women that have maybe been through similar situations? Um, don't be afraid to ask for help no matter how many times it takes and don't feel, try your hardest not to feel like a burden, whether it be to your family, your friends, um, you know, if they're truly making you feel like you're a burden, they're not the ones that you should be reaching out to for support or having in your life for that matter. But, um, just surround yourself with people that, you know, that you can confidently go to and be open with and honest with and, not have to sugarcoat things and say, you know, I'm really struggling. I really need your help and know that they're going to help you because sometimes it's just not reasonable to expect yourself to, you know, be able to point that out and be making the phone calls and be getting to those appointments. Um, I definitely could not have done it without my husband and uh, speaking with people like my grandma, who's just my best friend, and just knowing that I had them close um, just made it to where I could get through it. But just absolutely making sure that you have that support system, as cliche as that is, it was just one of the only things that was able to sort of pull me out of that and, and then making sure that I was always kept in check um, and getting my ass up and opening my blinds and, you know just not letting myself or allowing myself to continue to stay in that state for sure. Yeah. Well, and I'm just going to go off of that because I think the support is really, really big for people to know that even if you don't have a good family support or friends that really are showing up for you or some that maybe don't have partners, the support is there. I don't know that many women know this, but actually a lot of the main hospitals will do postpartum like support groups Mm -hmm. that people can look up. I know there's, I Googled this today. There's a ton of, uh, well, I shouldn't say a ton, excuse me. There are a few <laughs> postpartum, like, it, uh, like recovery groups or support groups at different therapy right. offices. And I, like I mentioned earlier, like a doula and midwife, they usually have all kinds of resources. And so like the support is there. It may not be through friends or family or a partner right. that you were lucky to have, but right. the support is there. And honestly, if we freaking talk about things with women, in our groups at work, whatever that is, like you're going to find the support. And sometimes it's awkward to call a neighbor or to call that random person you met at a meeting and say, Hey, I need a loaf of bread because there's no stores that have it or some formula. Like, Hey, it's Utah, but like people will help. And like, I know other fellow women were helped. You just have to ask, you have to speak up. We have to talk about these things. Oh yeah. A hundred percent. Because I guarantee you that there are just hundreds of other women that are going through the same exact thing and they may be afraid to speak up and, you know, voice these horrible things that their mind 
will only allow them to think about. And I feel so guilty for that because that was exactly how I felt. And I wish I would have, um, you know, had my doctor bring up, you know, here's a support group or, you know, a group of women that you can speak to that are, like you said, going through the same thing, just sort of this postpartum recovery groups or, um, you know, that could have been extremely helpful for me in that time. Yeah. Um, yeah. Especially because like, as, as fantastic as your husband was, it's also different to talk to a female than it is to a male. And I'm not trying oh, to genderize because I know that's no, a thing 100%. and there's great husbands being emotional, but like, <laughs> it, it is hard. Like when you have a female that you can relate to and talk about our unstable emotions and our ups and downs and our PMSs right. and all the oh, things yeah. that women go through, men just don't get it. And I love no. all the husbands. I love Connor for being that, but it is different and it can make a difference, but I'm really, really glad in a way. I'm really glad he is that person that hasn't had, you know, that anxious life or the depressed right. life. So he can be that strong rock for you. Yeah. But then also like, screw him. No, <laughs> so, uh, they're like, I'll switch no. you. You try this. Yeah. <laughs> oh God. Yeah. And I mean, he really is not an emotional person. It would take a lot to get him to cry. He's just that sort of person um, that doesn't really show emotion and has had to learn over the last seven or eight years that we've been together, what my anxiety looks like and how to sort of handle me and um, what things he can do to help me. And I know that it's been frustrating for him. It would be frustrating for anybody that has never dealt with that to, you know, see their partner going through that. And it's probably really scary for them too. I couldn't imagine watching my partner have anxiety or panic attacks and being like, what the hell is going on? So Yeah. yeah, he, there are, you know, definitely a ton of resources out there. And I know everybody may not be that lucky to have somebody so close and in the same household that they can always go to. So I just wish that, you know, there were more openly more resources for women, like you said, like those support groups and where to even find those and something that's not some crazy Facebook mom group. I want some real like... one on not one-on-one but in a group face-to-face and um you just want some like personalization with another right yeah Yeah. not in a group of Facebook moms that are going to shame me for like not wanting to breastfeed anymore (laughs) something crazy yeah yeah and I know like Facebook groups have actually come a long way but I get that and I think that like if you have to start there and meet people and create a meetup awesome like start there but other ways, like, and I can put some, I can put some links in the description of the, this episode. So people maybe can start looking and, and looking, but really have a conversation with your doctor, have a conversation with your midwife. I like a lot of my clients that have gone through pregnancies. We, if you don't know this, we are a, like holistic office. So we like, mm. don't really push the Western eyes. We don't push right. like a lot of the medications initially. Um, and so a lot of my clients, they have all had majority of them have had some type of like midwife or doula that they've worked with. Yeah. Um, and so I know that, that that's there as well. Even if like you were to meet or, you know, a, an expectant mother was to meet with a doula or a midwife and just ask questions, they right. are going to give you a completely different perspective that you're not going to get at the OB, which is great. It's just more knowledge for you. And at the end of the day, you don't have to commit to any of them. Just get right. as much knowledge as you can. Um, but you have to talk to people, you have to, you know, put yourself out there and be vulnerable, but Yeah, it is there. And it just breaks my heart that you had to go through this and feel so alone. Well, I love you. I appreciate you. <laughs> I know it's hard, definitely hard, but we're getting through it. <laughs> yeah. I appreciate you. Okay. Before we go, 
Um, I always do this fun little thing. So I'm going to rapid fire question. So I have seven different okay. questions. I okay. don't, we don't need to explain it. You're just going to answer and they're just supposed to be silly and stupid questions. Okay. okay. Like one word answers or. <laughs> um, yeah. Like one word answers. When I did this before, okay. um, the last person I did it with, like they gave an explanation, which is okay. awesome, but we don't need it. Like, I just want okay. you to have fun and like be short with it because I don't want you to think about it. Okay. So. Okay. Sounds good. Okay, first one. If you could be any superhero in real life, who would you be? Ooh, I only one that's coming to my mind is Wonder Woman. Oh, I picked it for you. <laughs> I typed it and I was like, Lex would be Wonder Woman. I love that. Okay, um, what is a word that you hate to spell? Oh, knowledge, which is horrible. <laughs> <laughs> I can never spell it correctly. Okay. That's fair. I picked fidget. When I typed that, I was like, I yeah. hate spelling the word fidget. It's like the <laughs> ugliest word to write. Um, third question. What Hogwarts house are you? Do you know? Oh, I don't know. It's probably been years and years. Um, I truly don't remember. I want to say I was Slytherin, but I really don't know. It was a long time ago. <laughs> yeah. I picked Slytherin for you, but also I'm Slytherin. So I just put that maybe as a bias of like, let's belong yeah. to me. <laughs> of course <laughs> um least favorite household or le yeah least favorite household chore oh, washing not even washing folding and putting away laundry it'll sit in oh. a basket for a week before it gets touched <laughs> ditto I hate that <laughs> I hate it um what's a hidden talent or hobby that most people would never guess about you oh gosh um it's been a while, but I am an avid wakeboarder. I don't know. Okay. I like that. <laughs> well, it doesn't help with like COVID and we have no water in our lakes. So or, True. And gas <laughs> prices. So nobody wants to take their boat yeah. out right now. <laughs> um, okay. Two more. Most ridiculous thing that you have ever spent an insane, in, spent an insane amount of money on. Uh, the dog we just bought last weekend. <laughs> crazy I don't French that. that's not the most ridiculous thing because <laughs> dogs are just the best oh he's awesome but yeah expensive yeah um okay last thing favorite thing about being a mom oh gosh just that unconditional love and just how damn cute they are Connor is always making fun of me because I am just always welling up at the dumbest things but <laughs> to me it is the cutest just my son saying something cute and he's like are you crying like yes because that's the oh. sweetest thing I've ever heard so just <laughs> being able to love them just so unconditionally it's just my favorite thing ever yeah I can see that in you you've <laughs> always been that way though so like even before your kids like yeah. you just you were you're tender-hearted and I love that about you I am unfortunately <laughs> okay well we'll wrap things up but I just want to like share my sincere appreciation for you coming on here and sharing this incredible vulnerable story that needs to be talked about and discussed. I appreciate you so much for doing it. Thank you for taking the time. Of course, not a problem. I'm so glad. Thank you for having me. Thanks for coming. I'm really excited we could finally do it. It only took us a month to figure <laughs> out a date, but I'm so excited we did it. <laughs> me too. Thank you. Yeah. And I just want to say to the listeners um, that being a mom is hard. And I know that I'm not a mom, but I know that being a mom is totally a full-time job. 
Um, and being a woman today is friggin' hard. So we just remember, I we just need to stand together and hold each other up and be that support for one another. And so I just ask that each of us women reach out to another woman, a friend, a mom, someone, and just check in on them. Make sure they're okay. Make sure if you can drop cookies off or dinner or take them to the friggin' grocery store, just let them know that they're loved. So um, anyways, please share this episode. If any of this applies, please share this episode that might relate to Lex's story or if it relates to you. Um, thank you so much to all my listeners who listen and never forget that the important pieces of the puzzle to our life and you are worthy and you're loved and you're capable. Mm-hmm.